0: Amen. While we are in, uh, in First Peter, so if we can all turn to First Peter. And today we're going to be talking about an inheritance. An inheritance that can only be received by faith. Not faith in the inheritance, I want us to make sure of that. But in the one, in the one that created all that we see that is visible. And all that we don't see. Because we know that that is Jesus Christ. And the inheritance we have is heaven. And this is what we're going to begin to talk about as we get into the Scriptures. And we're going to begin in verse 3. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. As we look into this verse... I do want to begin by talking about what it means when it says blessed. Blessed here. Blessed means that God the Father is worthy of adoration. This is what we're talking about. He is the one to receive praise. He is the one to receive honor. He is the one to receive glory. And He is worthy of it. And this is what what Peter is reminding us of today. And I do want to talk about God I want to talk about God for a second and I want to talk about his existence. I want you all to understand that God has always existed. He was not created as some believe. And God has always existed in three distinct persons. And what I'm talking about here is, excuse me, is the triune God. And the triune God consists of God the Father, God the Son, And God the Holy Spirit. And all three of these make up the Godhead. Will we ever truly comprehend this? Will we truly ever understand this? No. But we know that His Word declares it. And some things are just understood by faith, aren't they? Believing Him at His Word. Just like we know that the Lord exists. How do we know He exists? Have you and I seen Him? No, but we believe it by faith. And as we keep reading on, we read in this verse that God has has extended, God has extended His abundant mercy. You and I am the recipients of something that we don't deserve. That's what we read there in verse 3. Mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is an act of God. In which He gives us, in which He doesn't give us, I should say, something we deserve. See, when we look at our lives, let's look back. Or let's look at today. Or for those of you that maybe have not surrendered yourselves to the Lord, we're going to look at your life as you examine it. When we look at our lives, when we examine our lives, let's think about the behavior of yesterday. Let's think about your behavior during the last week. Let's look at your behavior this morning. Do you think that it is praiseworthy? Let's look at that. You know, what if somebody was looking at you during the week? What if somebody was looking at you this morning? What if somebody was looking at you throughout last year? Would they say that, you know what, this man or this woman's life or her behavior, or his behavior was awesome? Would they say, you know what? Their behavior is so incredible that it is so good. Can any of us say this when somebody would look at our lives? Could they actually say that you are so good, that you are so awesome, that you are so incredible? I don't think that anybody can say that about our lives. I know for certain that they can't say that about my life. And that's when we look at God's mercy. God has mercy for you and for me. And Peter reminds us it's not just mercy, it's an abundance of mercy. And when we look at this, what does abundant mean? When you look at the word abundant, what does it mean? It means great quantity, right? That's what it means. It means great quantity. It means oversufficient, it means an abundant. Great supply. And this is what God is willing to extend to us. Such an abundance of mercy. And if we truly examine our lives, are we not glad that God has this mercy for us? Aren't you glad that God is merciful towards you? Aren't you glad that His mercies are new every day for us? Understand that no one is good no one is good. You and I are not good. And the Bible is so true to remind us that you and I are not good apart from Jesus. And this is what God does in our lives. He makes us good when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ. He sees, us, he sees good in us because of our faith in His Son. What He truly sees is His Son in us. And with this faith, as we're talking about it, He gives you and I a new birth. God gives us a new heart. He gives us a new life. And He gives us the power to be good by His Spirit. As we move on in this same verse, Peter is saying there, that in His, in God's great Our God's abundant mercy. We have been born again. He has begotten us. Meaning that you and I have been born again. This is what comes by faith in His Son. Our first birth. Let's talk about that. What happened in our first birth? You and I were born of the flesh, right? We came out as little babies. Actually, we were conceived as babies. Because in the womb, we are babies, we are living. As we come out of our mother's womb, we know that we have a physical birth. But in God's mercy, as we're reading, we have been born again in the Spirit. And how is it that you and I can be born again in the Spirit? I want to begin by talking about this, and let's turn to John chapter 3. It is God's desire that you and I would be born again. It is God's desire that we would be born of the Spirit. And there was a man that asked Jesus this very question. It's the story of Nicodemus, a Pharisee who sought Jesus out. And in verse 1, it goes on to say, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he held great position. He was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. And this man came to Jesus by night. You see that he didn't come to him when all could see. But he came to him at night. And said to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. He acknowledged that Jesus In the things that he saw him do. That no one else could do what Jesus did. Unless God was with him. Unless he was God. And then verse 3 goes on to say. That Jesus answered him and said to him. Most assuredly I say to you. Unless one is born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Do you hear what it says? That if you want to go to heaven. You need to be born again. These are the words of Christ. These aren't my words. These are the words of God Himself that is asking us, that is telling us, I should say, that if you want to go to heaven, you need to be born of the Spirit. You need to be born again. And then verse 4 says, And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, that's a very good question, right? I mean, if somebody, before you know about people that are born again, and you heard somebody teaching you about being born again, you'd say, well, what do you mean? How is it that I'm going to be born again? Do I need to be shoved back in? And this is what Nicodemus has. You know what? How can I be born again? And then verse 5 goes on to say that Jesus answered him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. So we see here that in order to be born again, you need to be born of the Spirit. In other words, what he's saying, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, you cannot enter the kingdom of God just by being born, by giving life, by coming out of your mother's womb. No matter how good you look, no matter how good you are, no matter how smart you are, it doesn't matter. You're not going to enter the kingdom of God. You need to be born again of the Spirit. And as we see this, you know, when we think about us, you know, to be born again, can, anyone, can any one of us perform this? Can any one of us in our power be born again of the Spirit? Only God can do it when you place your faith in Jesus. Only God can do this. And it's important for us to understand that being born again is a miracle. It is a supernatural miracle of God. When we think about this, many of us are always asking, you know what, do miracles exist today? Can we have miracles today? And I want to share this with you. We can. And we do. See, you, you look at a miracle every day when you wake up. And you may be wondering, what do I mean by this? Did you know that when you look in the mirror, for those of you that are born again, you see a miracle before your eyes. Some of you, when you look in the mirror, you may say, think to yourself, oh man, I don't think this is a miracle. But I'm going to share this with you. You are a beautiful miracle. You are a beautiful miracle. And you know what, as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, it's important for us to understand this. Because Jesus just finished right now telling them, you know what, you need to be born of the Spirit. But He hasn't concluded in telling them how is it that you can be born of the Spirit? And this is what we need to, as we go through the Scripture, we need to realize what Jesus is, is speaking to Nicodemus about. I want you to jump down to verse 15. This is how you're born of the Spirit. It says that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The only way to have everlasting life is to be born again. Remember, this is the kingdom of God where you're going to live forever and ever. And this is what the Scriptures are telling us. As we see the truth of God, the signature Scripture of the church, It's 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And that verse is, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become what? That's us. Born of the Spirit. We are brand new. And when when it comes to a new birth, when it comes to salvation, what happens when you and I are born again? What happens when you and I first receive Jesus Christ? What is it that you immediately receive as being born again now in the Spirit? And as this this is what, what Peter is mentioning here in First Peter. When it comes to your new birth, to your salvation, you immediately receive a hope. And as we look at 1 Peter, he mentions their hope. See, this is very important when it comes to a believer. Because I want to talk about hope. See, many of us, many of us came to Christ because we lost hope. You and I lost hope. We lost hope in ourselves. We lost hope in life, in our situation, in our loved ones. And we needed God in our lives. And so when we came to Christ, we're immediately, we become the recipients of this new hope that is in hope, that is in Him. I want to share that hope is crucial in the life of a Christian. Why is it that hope is crucial in the life of a Christian? See, if we had no hope in the promises of God, in our salvation, in receiving the fullness of His blessings, then we would give up this faith. See, as people, people of the world, who do not have hope, they begin to give up, don't they? You know, why are there divorces? Because people give up on their marriages. They have no hope in their marriage. Why is there suicide? Because people have no hope in life anymore. Why do people quit their jobs? Because they have no hope in that job anymore. And so as Christians, we have found a new hope that is in God. And what is so amazing about, this, about Christianity is that we have not only a hope, but I want to stress the word, living Living hope is what we have. And why do I emphasize the word living? Because the God that we serve is alive. And that is what's so awesome about our faith. We serve a God that is alive. He is not dead. Can we rejoice in that? See, this is what Peter is reminding us of today. See, if, God, if Jesus Christ remained in the tomb, if He didn't rise from the dead, then our hope would be in vain, right? When many of us want to believe, knowing that Jesus remained in the grave, then we know that He would be a liar. Because He said that He would ra- rise from the dead. See, we know that our God is alive. And this is the living hope. And we know that it is proven because he didn't re- because, God, because the Lord did not remain in the, in the tomb, in the grave. See, when we look... When you and I look at history, name me one other person that has died and risen from the grave. There is no other person that comes to your mind. Every, every single one of them have died and none have risen from the grave. Why is it? Why is it that none of them can arise from the dead? Because only God has power over death. And this is why Jesus Christ is who He is. He is God. We serve a living God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is crucial for our faith. For we know that without the resurrection, we would have empty faith. But because He is risen, we have living hope and we have faith. If we move on to verse 4, it says, To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. As we look at this, because of God's mercy and because of our faith in Christ, you and I have a heavenly inheritance. And when we talk about inheritance, I want to talk about this as we go through the scriptures so we understand exactly what the Lord, the message that He wants to give us here. When we look at the word inheritance, what does it mean? I first want to talk to you from a world's point of view. When I die, my kids will equally inherit all that I possess. And I do say equally. They are, uh, they are beneficiaries to my possessions, of my possessions and the possessions of my wife. And we know that unless I die, unless my wife dies, they cannot inherit the things that I own. Okay, that's from a world's perspective, right? This is the way it works. This is the way an inheritance works. But when we look at it spiritually, you and I have an inheritance because of our faith in Christ. See, our inheritance is in heaven and all that is in it. I want you to understand that everything that is in heaven, you are inheriting. And this is what's amazing. See, everything that the Lord created, everything that we see and that we don't see, you will receive it. And I want you to turn to Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. It talks about the Lord. And it talks about Jesus Christ and who He is. And in verse 16, what we can see here is His creative work. In verse 16 it says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things exist. So what we see here is see that Jesus Christ, He created everything. Everything that you see and everything that you don't see. And for us, we don't see the heavenlies, right? We don't see what's in the third heaven. Because we know that we do see there are three heavens. The Bible talks about three heavens. The heaven that that it references is the heaven that you see when you look up. You see the sky, right? That's the first heaven. The heaven, the second heaven is above that. The stars, the galaxies, everything over that. And then the third heaven is where? Is where Jesus Christ resides, where God the Father is. Understand how beautiful this is. Everything that God has created that you and I can't see, we are heirs to that. And you may say, how is it that I know that you and I are heirs to that? How do I know that you and I are going to inherit these things that are in the third heaven? Because the word of God tells us. And I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. You and I will inherit everything that God owns. Romans 8 chapter 17. I mean... Chapter 8, verse 17. Well, let's begin to read in verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself, Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Did you see that? Joint heirs with Christ everything that belongs to Christ is going to belong to you and it's going to belong to me. The Word of God is true. The Word of God doesn't lie. And if the Word of God is saying that you and I are going to inherit all of this, that we're going to own it, that it's going to belong to us, it is true. See, this is what's so amazing. That when we die, we will inherit all that God has And nothing less. Everything that Christ possesses. Will also be ours. Everything in heaven. Has been reserved for you. Because of your faith in him. And this is why. When Peter talks about the abundant mercies. For us. When we think about this. To give us not what we deserve. And we know that he also gives us what we don't deserve this is grace right we understand that we don't deserve any of this but he still gives it to us you know as we talk about this i want to keep on the same subject because as we're in first peter here as as we're in verse in verse 4 as he's talking about this inheritance he talks about An inheritance that is incorruptible. See, as I was talking about the things that we will inherit here on earth, right? When I pass on or when you pass on and you give it to your loved ones, we know that with earthly possession, those things eventually break down, don't they? Those things end up falling apart, don't they? Those things are going to be destroyed because those things are corruptible. Nothing lasts forever. And the word of God tells us that this earth and everything in it will be destroyed. But he categorizes or he makes a staple point here of saying that our inheritance is incorruptible. And he makes sure that we understand what it means that we have an inheritance That is incorruptible. What that means is that it cannot pass away. The inheritance of heaven above cannot be destroyed. Nothing can destroy it. The uh, the inheritance, this internal inheritance is forever and ever. This is what's so amazing. And it also talks about the inheritance that cannot be. That it is undefiled. What does a word defiled mean? Defiled means that it's dirty, unclear, unclean. It means polluted. It means it's tainted. And when it comes to our inheritance, it is not dirty, or it is not polluted. It cannot be destroyed like the things of this world. Our inheritance is guaranteed that it will not spoil. This is what Peter is reminding us. This is what the word of God is telling us. We know that things in this world, they spoil. They rust, they decay. But not when it comes to our inheritance. The Bible tells us, he goes on to say that it will not fade away. As we think about this, this phrase here, it will, not be, it will not fade away. How many things on this earth fade away? But the promises of God is not and will not fade. He has guaranteed that we will have this inheritance. I want to share this with you. When it comes to heaven, who wants heaven? Who wants heaven? Yes, give me a show of hands. Who wants heaven? I think we all want heaven, right? And you know why we want heaven? Because the word of God tells us that eternity has been placed in your hearts. Even some of you that aren't saved. Some of you that haven't given your hearts to Jesus Christ. Did you know that you want heaven only because it has been placed in your hearts by God? See, the Bible says that we all have a desire to live forever. But the only way to live forever is by surrendering our hearts to Jesus Christ. And what's so awesome about this is that this inheritance is our heavenly place, it is guaranteed for us. The inheritance is indestructible. As we're talking about heaven, as we're talking about eternity, what is in heaven? Let's talk about this, right? And I'm not going to go through the verses because it's so hard. I mean, there's so many verses here. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible tells us when it talks about heaven and what's in it. For one thing that we know, God is in heaven. That's where He is. And I think we all want God. We all want to be with God in heaven. And we know that He lives in heaven. And another thing that we know that is in heaven is eternal life. Meaning that there's going to be no death in heaven. Meaning that everything that is in heaven lives forever. No one ever dies. Imagine living in the presence of God forever and ever. This is what's in your heart. This is what your heart yearns for. And this is what's in heaven. We also know that there's angels in heaven. Beautiful angels. Beautiful creatures that God has created. Magnificent. Unbelievable, beautiful angels. We also know that there's animals in heaven. The Bible tells us that there's also animals in heaven. You know what else is in heaven? Our loved ones. Not all of our loved ones. Only those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that you're going to see. Those are the ones that you're going to spend eternity with. The requirement, remember, of heaven Of the kingdom of God is to be born again in the spirit. So, your loved ones that place their faith in Jesus Christ, you will see them again. The Bible also tells us that in heaven there's no more sorrow. How many of you have had sorrow, great grief, or regret in the last day or two? How many of you have had sorrow in the last week? How many of you have had sorrow? In the last year, we know the Bible also tells us that in heaven there's no more crying. Isn't that going to be awesome? How many tears have you shed? How many tears have I shed? How many tears did I just shed the other day? The tears that all of us shed when we cry to think that there's not going to be any more crying in heaven. Isn't that awesome? There's going to be nothing worth crying about anymore. We also know that there's not going to be any pain. There is going to be no more pain. Pain is experienced. Why? Why is it that we experience pain? Because we live in a fallen world. Understand that everything in this world is subject to die. And it's going to bring pain. And we know that in heaven... Nothing dies. Everything is good. Everything is pure. Everything is holy. And we know that pain will go away. We also know that through the Word of God, it tells us that the walls and the cities are adorned with precious stones. Isn't it going to be awesome? You may look at your rings. Some of you have rings on that have stones. Imagine when you look in heaven the cities and the walls are all going to be adorned with stones. The city and the streets, we are told, that are made of pure gold. Can you believe that? How precious is gold today? Imagine when you go into heaven, you're going to see the streets and the, and the, and the cities adorned with gold. Did you know that in heaven, there's going to be no need of light? Right here, we need light, right? Right? We need light to see. We see as I look down the hallway, I mean down the, what do you call this? The aisle. I see shadows there. Did you know that in heaven there's going to be no shadows? Isn't that amazing? Why isn't there going to be any shadows in heaven? Because God is going to illuminate the city. Everything that is going to be in heaven is filled with light. This is the glory of God. That you and I will behold. There is much more than what I've given you. And you and I will find out when we get there. The heavenly place will be incredible. It will be wonderful. It will be magnificent. It will be breathtaking. It will be beyond what our imagination can even think of. Our words can never do it justice. And if you want this place as we've been talking about what's a simple answer Jesus our faith in him as we keep reading in verse 5 it says who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time you know when i look at this it says Who are kept. You know it's important that we look at this word. Kept. You know what the word kept means? It means guarded. You and I. Are guarded. Let me explain why we are guarded. You are guarded. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And as a child of God. God is protecting you. That you know that God is keeping you. He's securing you in order to arrive safely in heaven. This is what He's telling us here. This is what's so amazing about God's Word. Is that you are kept by the power of God. How many of you, when you think about your children, you want them to arrive safely home, right? Or to arrive safely in a location. So you go and you take them, you protect them, you guide them, you lead them. And you're with them to keep them safe. God, by His power, is keeping us and guarding us so that we arrive safely into heaven. That's what a loving Father does. He wants nothing and He will not allow anything to keep you from arriving there. This is His amazing love. And I want to talk about Romans. Let's turn to Romans 8 because it's so Well put there. As we know, the Spirit of God has has spoken these things. We know that He used Paul to pen these things for us. But it is God that has spoken these words for you and for me to hear. In Romans 8, verse 31, it says there, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? As we talked about. Who shall bring a charge against God as elect? It is God who justifies. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do I hear an Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord for this. He is keeping you. He will guard you. But this only comes by faith. In His Son. You receive these things when you place your faith in Him. You know, inheritance. The inheritance of the heavenlies. It is incredible. It is breathtaking. For us to understand. Sometimes it becomes difficult. And sometimes we lose track of it, don't we? Because our eyes are on the earthly thing. Our eyes are on the physical, what we see. But God desires that our eyes would be in the heavenlies. That our focus would be in the heavenlies. And all that God has for us, that's for you and for me. God has so much for us. And we know that as God has so much for us, He freely gives it and He's going to share it. He is not going to withhold anything from us. He's going to give it to us because, as His Word says, we are heirs. We are co-heirs with Christ. And with that, we will close. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your glorious Word. Lord, we know that the inheritance is for us that have placed our faith in you. We know that none of us can receive all that we spoke about, all that's in heaven, unless we place our faith in you. As your word said, in order to inherit the kingdom of God, we need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be born again. These are your words, your words that we receive by faith, your words that give us hope. As we have our heads bowed, as we have our eyes closed, we know that God doesn't want anything to separate you from him. We know that God loves you. And we know that God created you to have fellowship with him. But in order to receive this fellowship, in order to receive this inheritance, we must be born again. And to be born again means that you place your faith in him. If anybody here wants to commit their lives to Jesus Christ, if there's anyone here that wants to be born again, to receive all that God has for you, I ask that you raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody wanting to do this? Anybody wanting to do this? Raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anyone? Anyone? Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? if you want all that God has for you, it comes when you say yes to Him, when you invite Him into your heart. Anyone else before we close? Anyone here that wants to recommit your life to Him? Amen, amen, amen. Anyone else? As we get off track, as we just allow sin to separate us from Him, If you want to recommit your life to him If there's anyone else that wants to do that Raise your hand Amen Anyone else before we close Anyone else I want everybody that raised their hand To stand up To stand up Don't be ashamed Don't be ashamed God was not ashamed of you We know that he had a gruesome death because he loves you, because he paid for your sin. For those of you that stood up, I want you to repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my sin, for the sin that has separated me from you. I come to you asking for forgiveness. Forgiving me of my sin. Lord, you died on the cross. And you rose from the dead. As we know that we serve a living God. A God who has power over sin and death. I yield my life to you. I surrender myself to you. As my Lord and my Savior. You are my King. And I love you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.